welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite people, Isa Herrera and her pelvic pain relief system. Let's be real for a second. Having kids can be tough on your pelvic floor health. And even if you haven't had a child, there are many things that can cause pelvic dysfunction or discomfort. If you have ever leaked urine as you laugh, cough, cough, sneeze, or jump, it may be a sign that your pelvis could use some help. The good news is that these types of problems can be helped. And that is exactly why Isa is here. In fact, I can say, thanks to Isa, that after carrying six babies, I can jump on the trampoline with my kids or run around to play capture the flag or sneeze when they bring home a cold without worrying about leaking. But I know many women who struggle with these activities. So if you ever have, you have got to check out Isa's free masterclass, which teaches things like how to stop those extra bathroom trips, also how to improve your posture, and to put the fire back in your sexy and bring back your libido with some easy stretches and movements that you can do anywhere, anytime. She also explains why Kegels might actually be causing some of the problems or making them worse, and how to know if that is the case for you and what to do instead. Even your doctor won't be able to share this with you, and Isa has helped almost 15,000 women find relief and freedom. So again, claim your spot at her incredible free masterclass all about pelvic pain at pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. Again, pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox, which has been my source for high quality protein for years. ButcherBox delivers healthy, 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. All of their products are humanely raised and they are never ever given antibiotics or hormones so you can feed them to your family knowing they're safe. It's so hard to find quality meat that you can trust and ButcherBox is changing that. They offer free shipping anywhere in the continental 48 United States and right now they have a special mystery offer just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. In fact, it's so good, I can't even tell you about it publicly. But if you go to butcherbox.com forward slash wellnessmama, you will save $20 on your first box. Plus find out what that special mystery deal is that you can only unlock at that link. Butcherbox carries the highest quality organic, pastured and grass-fed meats and their bacon is a favorite with my kids. I usually create our meal plans around our monthly butcher box order by adding tons of fresh veggies from our local farmer's market, and we've always been really impressed by the quality. So again, make sure to go to butcherbox.com forward slash wellnessmama to get $20 off your first box plus unlock the mystery special. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and I'm here today with Krissa Benson, who is the founder of Physical Kitchness, which is an online health and wellness one-stop shop dedicated to helping busy women reduce the overwhelm that we all have and living our best, healthiest lives. Her mission is simple. It's to motivate women to take care of themselves so that they can take care of their families. And she has so much great advice for this because we all know we're supposed to do those things but it's so hard to actually make it happen when you're a mom. And I love her blog because she has such a unique mix of her truth talk, mom life humor, which she's amazing at, and then things like simple recipes, 
meal planning hacks, which she's amazing at, and effective home workouts. She has two boys, ages two and four, and she's married to an active duty Marine. In fact, we're going to talk about it, but she raised them for an entire year while he was deployed. She loves pretending that she's a backup dancer for Bruno Mars and has a master at stepping on Legos. Her kids leave on the floor and owns too many yoga pants to count. And I share both of those last two points with you, Krissa. Welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. It is an honor to be on your podcast. I am so excited to have you here. And I love that you are like in the trenches, real life, giving helpful tips for moms, because I think you're so right. There's so much overwhelm and moms these days, we have so much on our plates and it feels sometimes like things just keep getting added. And I know that a big part of your mission is to empower moms to take care of themselves. And I also know as a mom, that's one of the hardest things to do. So I would love to hear your take on that. What does that look like for you in a world where everyone says you need to have self-care, but there's also so much pressure on us all the time to do things for our family and our spouse and the community and just everything? Right. I mean, the biggest, I think, setback for for moms with self-care, it's universal. It's We just don't have all the time <laughs> in the day to do that. So um, although we really want to make the self-care thing a priority. The problem is we just don't have the extra 20, 30, 40 minutes in a day. And we all know we really need it, especially I'm so glad that people are advocating for it more, but there's just seems to be no space in the day when we have to fulfill the needs within our families. But I think the real problem is when we don't reallocate our time for doing something that serves us, we get really burnt out. And for me personally, I get short with my kids or my spouse and my anxiety will shoot through the roof and Oftentimes you can feel this like pang of like this funk or this gloom, even though we have these great lives and these great kids. So I think since we can't add more time in our day, it really does circle back to reconfiguring that allocation of time, even if it's letting something go so we can have that just 10 minutes. And um, when I talk about self-care, I really think of it more as like soul food. I mean, we can we can traditionally think it as like the bubble bath or the massage or reading, which is all great. And it can do wonders to boost our mood. I really think self-care is doing more about something that lights your soul because when you're really in that kind of state, you can refresh kind of your who you are aside from just being mom all the time or serving everyone else. And so I really think it's about finding a passion or purpose aside from our daily duties because we love our kids and we love this gifted role that we have to be their mom. But I found that it wasn't until I started fulfilling a passion that I loved to do that was totally non-relatable to my purpose as a mom is when I felt like I was really taking care of myself because my soul was full of the creativity and accomplishment that I needed to be more Krissa than mom. So I think giving ourselves the utmost priority to do that just makes us better for our partner and our kids so we aren't showing up on empty and it doesn't have to be this long, extreme thing every day. It could just be five, 10 minutes just to do something that, that fulfills you a little bit more. I love that you brought that up. The idea of kind of getting lost in being a mom, um, because I think it's so easy to do. And especially when you have really young children, which I know you still have pretty young ones, they demand so much time, rightfully they need so much, but you can kind of like forget yourself in that and, and just be like, everything you do is just revolving around being a mom. And that's something um, I used to have conversations even with my grandmother about before she passed away. Um, just the changes that had happened, even in a couple of generations when it came to motherhood and how when she had young kids, 
certainly there's still all of the work that goes with babies and toddlers, but there was just a different societal perception about, you know, kids being eventually able to go play on their own and not needing constant entertainment and supervision. And she had these things that fulfilled her as a person, not just as a mom. And, you know, back then they had like dinner parties and they went out on dates a lot more than I know a lot of us do today. And they, But she also had hobbies and she would, you know, build things. She had things that lit her up that didn't just revolve around her kids. And I think that's so key. I love that you have found that as well. So I, I would guess your blog is part of that outlet for you, but like talk a little bit about how you learned that and what that journey was like. The blog is, is most definitely the outlet, but that was that just a, what my passion was eventually leaded to my business. And I feel so blessed that I can do what I love and what lights me up. But I found that after um, I had our first baby, we moved to a new city uh, I had a baby and I was really excited to quit my corporate job and be stay at home mom. I was so like, this is like this is such a dream. And I loved it. But part of me felt like, okay, what else can I do during the day? Like I, I, I felt something like I needed more and I needed this, this other outlet aside from being mom and changing diapers. And I love to cook. And so I continuously just tried to make great meals and found that that was a creative outlet for me. But what ended up happening is I was I was experimenting and cooking and balancing the mom chores and stuff. And my husband would come home and I was so excited because I that was like my accomplishment that I had done for the day. I made this great meal and, and he would <laughs> lovingly eat it and go, yeah, it was good. And I'm like, what do you mean it was was good. Like I, I slaved over this meal. Like it was like my outlet and I just, I needed kind of more validation and it wasn't even, it wasn't even him. It was me that just like craved more. And so I quickly realized that I needed to put it in, in a blog. I needed to chronicle my, my journey of cooking and healthy eating. And so I felt like I had something um, I could put out to the world and feel accomplished. And I wasn't relying on like my husband's praise for dinner every night. And it just, that's how it really evolved. I had found my passion through that. I went to Bible studies within my church and we were talking about using your gifts that you were given. And it was really hard for me to try to figure that out. And it eventually came to me that cooking and living healthy and balancing the duties of a mom, especially for us as we move all over the country. And I don't really have a tribe because we're constantly relocating. It was important to me to share that and to hopefully help other women do the same. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I don't want to project on you, so I'm going to ask it as a question. But I know for me in that time when I was in the throes of the toddler years and motherhood was kind of all-consuming, I also had that desire for something that was just mine that was outside of motherhood. But I also felt really guilty about that, like as if motherhood alone should be fulfilling enough. Like, And I'm curious if you ran into that as well. I think a lot of women, at least I can speak for myself, felt that. And I think that is also kind of specific to our generation a little bit. Like, I don't think past generations worried about like, oh, why am I not completely fulfilled by just being a mom? But I'm curious if that was your experience at all as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think social media is so great and it connects us. I think it can also give us false perception of what we should feel. And there's no really one size fits all. I think some moms are fantastic at raising their kids and being stay-at-home moms and they are fulfilled by that. And and some people need something else along with it. And that's okay because we're not all the same. And I feel like we we're in this generation of like we have to do these 
Pinterest style birthday parties and we have to be fulfilled and we have to self care. And there's all these like keywords and all these terms, but like I said, there's no one size fits all approach. And so I'm really vulnerable sharing that on my social media because I realized once I started like kind of sharing the things that I feared I would be judged for that I think everyone fears they might be judged for. I received such an influx of messages and just thoughts from other moms that were like, yes, thank you for saying the things that I feel, but I, I, it's taboo to say. And so I'm, I'm really all about like a non-judgmental approach to how you parent and how you live your life because everyone needs different things, just like our kids need different things. And our kids are totally different people. It's the same thing with motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you said it perfectly. And I know thanks to things like social media, I remember for so many years, I would see everyone on on social media who looked like they had it all together. And it was isolating because I felt like I think I'm the only mom who's not figured this out. I think like, why am I failing at this? And everyone else has like their kids in their perfect clothing who smile for photos and like their house looks clean. And I think people like you that kind of break that open and be like, look, it's real life. None of it's perfect. And of course, we all put our best foot forward quite often on social media. But I think it's so empowering to see other women being real. And speaking of being real, I think you are also uniquely qualified to speak to this because your husband, I mentioned, was an active duty Marine. And I met you actually when he was deployed to Afghanistan. And that was, I believe, a 13-month deployment. And so you raised a one-year-old and a three-year-old on your own, and you didn't have like a huge community of family support near you. So I think you have figured out the systems because you survived that. So share what that year looked like for you and how you were able to find some kind of balance between everything you had to juggle during that time. Balance, yeah, is still is still a hard thing for me to master. It was then, it still is now. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, my mind goes, I think, 120 miles per hour most of the day, as many of ours do. But during that time when he was deployed, I just remember so many moments of feeling overwhelmed, raising my kids and running the business and managing the household. And we don't have family nearby. I really don't have a lot of close friends since we, uh, like I said, constantly move. So I would wake up with these like grave intentions, like today I'm going to be super patient. I'm not going to raise my voice and literally... 12 minutes later, my kids would be up screaming and fighting and I'd be barely out of bed myself and I was losing my cool already. Then I'd feel guilt and then I'd hustle through the day. And then by 3 p.m. I was exhausted. It was just kind of nuts. And so after a few months, right after my husband left, I was I was really struggling. And so I realized I really had to prioritize my time in in buckets so that I could have like kind of a mental vision of how I was my life was playing out and I could feel more at ease with how I was spending my times and how I was spending my time and what I was saying yes and what I was saying no to. And so I do this now like every so often I write down my three core values in terms of how I spend my time because that's like the the lack I think in most of our lives is is mostly time. And so every kind of phase it might be changing a little bit, but it always usually revolves around family, uh, my work, which is my passion and and wellness. And so When I was solo parenting, my values were one was pursuing joy, two was my career calling, and three was our health. And so when I broke that down, I just thought, okay, these kids are really demanding. I'm I'm struggling, so I need to find something to pursue joy. And so that meant I let go of literally all expectations. I left the house dirtier than I'd ever left it before. I said no to a lot of obligations. And I honestly just really stopped caring as much how I looked or how I went out in public. 
truth be told. And I just found ways to enjoy my kids in those hard ages that they were because they were one and three at the time. So it it meant spending evenings at the beach and not caring if my car was going to be a pit of sand afterwards or, you know, not battling when they were wearing mismatched clothes or shoes on the wrong feet, <laughs> because those are things I would maybe prior have judged a mom before, not, not as a mom, but maybe prior to being a mom, I would think, gosh, your kids look so disheveled. But then I realized it just wasn't worth it. I, I needed to pick my battles and decide what were teaching moments and what wasn't worth it. So I really had to make sure I made time for joy even if it was messy. And um, the second part of that core value was fulfilling my career passion, just doing something that, of course, lit my soul and made me feel accomplished when I needed that little boost in the moments of despair I felt often and um, creating healthy and recipes and workouts for moms because that just fulfilled my purpose. And then the last part of it was health because it's really, really important to me. It's really important to me that I'm staying active and working out and that we're eating well. And so I always made time to put a little work to plan ahead so that I was cooking nutritious meals. And it had just become ingrained in me that this was a core value. This was non-negotiable, that staying active and eating well was a part of the deal. It's a part of our life. And so um, I will say it it meant that I said a no to a lot. I said no to a lot of work travel opportunities. I said no to a lot of girlfriend gatherings. And I know that's also really important for self-care and connection, but I knew I had to prioritize. I, I couldn't spread myself too thin. So I said a no to a lot of asks um, that I usually felt guilty about, but I, I knew what I had to to do to realistically take on what was priority to me without burning out. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, that is so key. And I, so much of what you just said, I was sitting here like, yes, absolutely. And especially it took me probably more like four or five kids to learn this, but about picking the battles and really like prioritizing what hills I was willing to die on. And I came to the exact same realization. I was like, you know what? By number six, I was like, if she can dress herself, I am not going to care what it looks like because she dressed herself. And also that's not a battle I'm going to fight. Even as they get older, um, my husband and I had those conversations of like, what are the things that are truly actually important to us that we get across to them or the things that are part of our family culture or family values that do matter and the battles we are going to fight. And it wasn't things like what they wear or how they want their hair. So if our sons want to grow their hair out long, one of them is doing that right now, then I'm not going to fight that because it's his hair and he's almost 13. And, or if, you know, my girls want to, dye the tips of their hair purple. Like that's not a battle that I'm going to fight. Um, another key for me was learning not to do things for them that they could do themselves because especially in those toddler years, it was just so much easier to do everything because they're slow and they would break dishes or like it was just a clumsy process. And so for a long time, I was trying to do everything for everybody. And one of those key moments for me was making that switch to, I'm not going to do things for them once they're capable of doing it themselves, which means that most of them now do their own laundry. They do, they do a lot in the kitchen. They help around the house. And that was also a game changer for me as they started getting older. And I think you also highlighted such an important thing about saying no. And it's so hard to say no, especially to those girlfriend trips or when people in your community ask you to do things or to help. But that's so smart to prioritize your family and your mental health and to know. And you mentioned that eating healthy is a huge priority for you. And I'd love if you could share some practical tips for moms on making healthy eating a priority and how you actually balance that with kids, especially when things are so busy. Yeah. I, I think that meal prep 
can be like this term <laughs> that people automatically in their brains go, bing, okay, it means hours of weekend batch cooking and cute little Tupperwares with their sectioned off meals. And I just, that's not realistic to me. Uh, weekends are family time, which is one of, of course, my core values. So that's 110% family. So I don't do a ton of meal prepping. What I do instead is I allocate like 10 to 15 minutes in the evening to do something that sets me up for clean cooking success the next day. So my kids will go to bed around 7.30, 8 o'clock. This is just my time. It could be any time of the day, really. Um, but that's when I like chop up veggies or put together a marinade or I'll pre-make a breakfast or whatever, because even just that 10 minutes already puts you in a mode of planning ahead. So you're not stuck the next day or dreading what you're going to make for dinner. And making that kind of the same ritual for me every evening, just it turns into a habit and it's just what you do. It's just the, what you're more likely to identify in you. And it's what you're, it's what you are um, as a mom so that you can take care of your family's health and what they're putting in their body. And it doesn't feel like a chore when it just becomes so natural. And I don't think meal prep needs to be complicated. And so often we think like I'm dealing with the kids and I have work and I have all this stuff. It can be just like throwing together a side for dinner or making a quick sauce or some random basics like pre-making rice or sauteing veggie bases, like I do shredded Brussels sprouts or rice cauliflower, just having like bases or sides can make a big difference because then you can throw together meals on the fly, which just becomes easier and easier the more you do it. And so it's those make ahead components I try to include um, in my life. And I include a lot of like tips in my recipes and my meal planning guides, because it really does help to shave off so much time when you're cooking these real meals at home. And it can really lessen the overwhelm when you're, when you're managing your kids and your life and you don't want to make cooking this like big bear that you have to tackle every night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious for more specifics on your food approach, especially with toddlers, because that does seem to be such a pivotal age for getting like teaching them how to eat healthy, but also a time when you tend to run into them saying no quite a bit. So what are some ways that you've gotten your kids to be on board with eating real food? I really started right away and and I I kind of have this this approach of it's maybe hard knocks, <laughs> some would call it, but this is what I, this is what I give you. <laughs> and there's, I'm not making it separate meals. And there's a little bit of leeway where I'll, you know, make things that I know the kids will like, but generally we eat together as a family and my kids learned kind of the, the ground rules right away. But I know it's, it can be easy to say that. And it's really hard to execute. You have to be so consistent and it can be really concerning if your kids don't eat anything on your plates and you're like ripping your hair out. Or if you have older kids that you maybe didn't start right away when they were in, um, in those toddler years. And so I have a few tricks that I've learned because my youngest was a notoriously picky eater um, to start. So it took a lot of trial and error, but eventually I started to see a pattern when I'd make meals and the kids liked those meals. And one simple way was I would, to get them to eat veggies per se, was I would roast the veggies or make them in a small, teeny tiny amount of natural sweetener in the oil that I use to roast them. So like I'd use a little pure maple syrup or raw honey. And it was like a really good trick to encourage my kids to eat their veggies as opposed to hiding them and everything. Cause I don't believe you should hide, hide the foods to get your kids to eat great food. But those kind of like that little sweet kick kind of made their taste buds more apt to trying it. And then I, Eventually, I just wean off of that as they matured. Um, another hack I have for picky kids is to 
add fruit to protein. Um, so I have a recipe uh, on my website. It's these five ingredient Hawaiian chicken burgers, and they have pineapple tidbits incorporated into the ground chicken. And so the kids, it's a little sweet to get their protein. Um, I'll do this with like Chinese inspired dishes with mandarin oranges and the stir fry and broccoli and veggies, or I have a turkey meatball recipe in this picky eater blueprint I have that has like blueberries folded into the meat. And it's just those extra little nudges that'll help them get more experimental. And sometimes mom will say, well, they'll, they'll pick out all the veggies and they only ate the fruit. And that's can be really frustrating. The key is they were exposed to the meal in its entirety. You didn't hide the veggies. You didn't take them out because you knew they wouldn't like them. They're exposed. And that exposure is really important for familiarity and making these meals that have the components of protein and healthy fats and veggies. And and that's the norm that they'll continue to see on their plates. And one last tip that I give my kids if like all other methods have failed is I give them dips or sauces for dunking because <laughs> I don't know, my kids just love finger food, right? They like to like play in it and get in it. And so having healthy options for sauces and dips can help kids get really experimental or at least try something new. And so I have a lot of these tips in, in a meal hacking playbook, which is a free guide that I have on my website to just make meal prepping easier and healthier and it includes these like kid-friendly tips too. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I'll make sure we link to that in the show notes so people can find it. Um, it's so good. And I, all your recipes that I've ever tried are so good also. And I think you highlighted some really important points when it comes to getting kids to eat and especially the idea that like you provide the healthy food and but also you're not like overly concerned with how much they eat or them finishing what's on their plate, um, but more about them like trying it and developing this healthy palate over time. I think that's something that's really hard and that I had to kind of break that habit because both my family and my husband's family came from this like you have to finish the food on your plate type mentality or like and then you can have dessert, which was like the bribe. And with our kids, we've shifted to being more like in our kitchen, there's a division of responsibility. And my responsibility is that I make sure we have healthy food in the house or just food in the house. We don't have unhealthy food, but, and then I cook it. And your responsibility as, as your age is, is to listen to your body and know when you're hungry and to eat when you're hungry. And if you're truly actually not hungry at a meal, I'm not going to stress. Or if you don't like the food and you're going to pretend you're not hungry, I'm not going to stress about that because it's one meal. You're not going to starve in five hours. And there's going to be another meal with healthy options in a few hours that you can choose from. And I think that's just such a mental, like a mental load off to not be concerned or neurotic about like making sure they get enough bites of everything at any given time. And especially with kids, I think that balance is like over the long term. They're not going to ever at any meal eat a perfect ratio of proteins, fats, and carbs and get like every veggie they need. But they might like eat a ton of veggies at one meal. And then the next day they just want a ton of protein. And over time it all balances out. And I think that's like what you're doing is so important about keeping them in touch with their body and actually listening to it and not force feeding anything. And as they get older, yours probably aren't quite at these ages yet, but I've also found getting them involved in the, the actual cooking and not just like helping, but them actually cooking was a huge key for us. So our kids know what the breakfast options are and they make breakfast every day on their own. And they're so much more likely to eat it when they made it. But now even the older ones can prepare dinner on their own, which was like, a game changer. That was a wonderful day in our house when that started happening. So I love that you're building those building blocks early with your guys. I had to kind of shift back into that when they were with my older ones because I didn't know that when they were little. So you're doing it the right way from the start. And I love that. And to circle back, I think, so we talked a little bit about self-care earlier and you mentioned like those practices that like fill you up that are soul food and the, you know, things like bubble baths and massages are great, but they're also really hard to fit in. 
So can you give some tips for some simple and maybe not so long self-care routines that can be worked in or how that works for you? Yeah, I love this topic. And I love what you share about not stressing about the food. It is so not worth (laughs) the stress. Let's take out all the little tiny things we don't need to stress about out of our lives. Like, please, it will just make things so much easier. But along with that, yeah, five to 10 minute self-care routines, because we talked about this earlier that it's just, it doesn't have to be this long, lengthy process. So one of the things I discovered in working with uh, women and clients in my membership is that no one was really looking at self-care as a component for health and wellness. Like everyone was really focused on getting in their workouts and planning healthy breakfasts and dinners um, and trying to say no to sweets and lessen their sugar intake and all that stuff. And that's great. But no one was really putting the effort to like give their soul that food and fuel. And so I understand it's um, it can be something that doesn't seem as pressing as everything else in life, but it, it's still very, very important for our mental health. So I really um, promote and do this myself. I created this like 5, 10, 15 framework for them to start. And it's really just five minutes of uh, self-care and then 10 minutes of activity and 15 minutes of meal prep, like three to four days a week. That's where we kind of we kind of start because it's a really easy quick thing to follow. So eventually we increase the time and the repetition, but it's really just used as a base to start and get into a groove. So in that five minutes of self-care, eventually leading to 10 minutes is uh, just a simple soul food way not to get lost in the hustle and bustle. So for me, that means waking up 15 minutes earlier than everyone else, because that's really the only time I I can get it in during the day. And so um, lately I actually end up I wake up way earlier than my family because I've gotten so used to that five, 10 minute self-care in the morning that I've loved it so much. And it's become such a part of me, but, um, that five to 10 minutes isn't overly ambitious because we need to make it small enough to stick to so that you can create the habit. And it's in that super small window of time in the morning, I'll do anything that I I feel called to do that, anything that I really need just to de-stress. So maybe it's like a, a daily devotional or I'll journal, Oftentimes for me lately, I'll just brain dump everything that is in my brain. I just throw it on a piece of paper so I don't feel so anxious throughout the day. It could be sometimes if it's nice, I'll sit outside in the patio and just have coffee in peace, which is amazing for your soul just to have a cup of coffee uh, in here, listen to the birds. Um, but it's just it's just that few minutes in a day that can completely change your outlook on the day and on your life and that mindset piece of just kind of putting your brain at rest is so important for how you show up in the world and how you show up for your kids and um, how you really view yourself and what you're doing in your life. And it's, it's it's easy not to to reflect because we are so busy, like living in the now. But I've realized, especially in that year that my husband was gone, like that reflection and that kind of inner peace was 110% a game changer for me. So it's really important, even if it's just five to 10 minutes to fit into that self-care routine. Yeah, for sure. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite people, Isa Herrera and her pelvic pain relief system. Let's be real for a second. Having kids can be tough on your pelvic floor health. And even if you haven't had a child, there are many things that can cause pelvic dysfunction or discomfort. If you have ever leaked urine as you laugh, cough, cough, sneeze, or jump, it may be a sign that your pelvis could use some help. The good news is that these types of problems can be helped. And that is exactly why Isa is here. 
In fact, I can say, thanks to Isa, that after carrying six babies, I can jump on the trampoline with my kids or run around to play capture the flag or sneeze when they bring home a cold without worrying about leaking. But I know many women who struggle with these activities. So if you ever have, you have got to check out Isa's free masterclass, which teaches things like how to stop those extra bathroom trips, also how to improve your posture, and to put the fire back in your sexy and bring back your libido with some easy stretches and movements that you can do anywhere, anytime. She also explains why Kegels might actually be causing some of the problems or making them worse, and how to know if that is the case for you and what to do instead. Even your doctor won't be able to share this with you, and Issa has helped almost 15,000 women find relief and freedom. So again, claim your spot at her incredible free masterclass all about pelvic pain at pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. Again, pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox, which has been my source for high quality protein for years. ButcherBox delivers healthy, 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. All of their products are humanely raised and they are never ever given antibiotics or hormones so you can feed them to your family knowing they're safe. It's so hard to find quality meat that you can trust and ButcherBox is changing that. They offer free shipping anywhere in the continental 48 United States and right now they have a special mystery offer just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. In fact, it's so good I can't even tell you about it publicly. But if you go to butcherbox.com forward slash wellness mama, you will save $20 on your first box. Plus find out what that special mystery deal is that you can only unlock at that link. ButcherBox carries the highest quality organic, pastured, and grass-fed meats, and their bacon is a favorite with my kids. I usually create our meal plans around our monthly ButcherBox order by adding tons of fresh veggies from our local farmer's market, and we've always been really impressed by the quality. So again, make sure to go to butcherbox.com forward slash wellnessmama to get $20 off your first box plus unlock the mystery special. You also recently had a blog post about how things like cravings and emotional or stress eating is related to one thing, and it kind of ties in with that. So can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of walk us through that blog post and how we as moms can get a handle on that, which I think is something we all struggle with? Yeah, I think we all do struggle with it. And it's one of the biggest hurdles I feel like it comes with healthy living is like handling the stress eatings and cravings and trying to eat cleaner. And it all circles back to that mindset piece. I I really believe that because cravings are so often either a response to an emotion or they're just autopilot habits, like opening the bag of chips and just eating them without really turning your brain on to think about what you're doing or why you're doing it. And so I tell women that they have to first identify the why of the craving. So maybe it's stress, maybe um, it's you're PMSing, maybe it's um, you're disappointed or you're bored. Um, and that could really lead into this like mindless habit they form for really no apparent reason. So figuring out that why will really help the strategy to turn your brain on, like turn that brain chip on and force yourself to answer a few questions before you engage in things that you might later be like, why did I do that? 
So I talk about like, maybe it's a pattern interrupt. Maybe it's doing something completely different than you're used to your, your typical, like go-to routine when it comes to, um, indulging on a craving or, or mindless eating. It's also figuring out, um, your why. So you can create like a cue or a redirect to execute that pattern interrupts you, you can get to a place where you're making more mindful choices that are aligned with your goals. So it can be really, really easy to say like, well, don't have the junk food in the house or, you know, just, just say no. But I think it's more about like just turning the brain on, getting some really cues going and, and really starting to tune into like, what do I want? And, and am I going to be okay with this decision? And if you are, I believe that I believe you, you should, because it's not about restricting. It's just about turning that portion of our brain and being mindful of the choices that you're making so that you can you can really show up in the next best way um, when you're trying to achieve a health or wellness goal. That's so great. And I also want to talk a little bit about the fitness side because you mentioned earlier that's a big um, priority for you as well. And I know you in real life and I know that you maintain an amazing level of fitness like at all times. And I think that's also a struggle for a lot of moms. So I'd love if you could change how you I balance that, especially after having kids, especially essentially working full time. Um, what are some practical ways that you get that in and then maintain your fitness? There is uh, some tricks. <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't have the the time to head to the gym whenever I wanted to or go to a jog just because it's nice outside because now there's other people in the picture to care for. And, and that's okay because it's changed and we can still fit in working out without having to go somewhere or carve out like an hour for that fitness class. Oftentimes it's just about really being super insanely resourceful and identifying the opportunities for activity. And it changes, I think, as your kids uh, are from babies to toddlers to growing up and you can, you could do it with them. You can do it uh, while they're doing their own thing. And so it's changed for me. Like when my, when my little ones were little newborn babies and they were in those carriers, you know, and you're constantly bouncing them. <laughs> I, really thought I need to fit in activity here, not only just so I could feel good about my, my body and stay active and stay strong, but really like good for my mind because I, it's so, it's so good to re, to produce those endorphins and feel great. And so when they were in carriers, I would lunge down the hallway of our living room and bounce them. And I just felt like I'm doing something for me too. And it was just a part of my duty as a mom, but it's finding that mix of like, okay, I identified an opportunity here. I'm going to do it. I do a lot of living room workouts when my kids are napping or when they're playing because oftentimes they get more of a workout doing these like compound routines in the living room, meaning like multiple muscle groups with zero equipment. than I do going to the gym and doing a warm up and getting instruction and cooling down. Like it's all about getting like in and out for me. So, um, I've been a group fitness instructor and I teach bar and I love those workouts so I just created combos on my own and I do those in a fraction of time than I would at a class. And these are the kind of workouts that I offer in my membership site because I really do believe that we can bust out these killer effective workouts in 10 to 20 minutes, like with or without kids. And I'll also tell people that there are ways you can incorporate your kids in workouts. You can play games with your kids. You can find treasures going on a hike or you can play hide and seek and you really kind of like execute yourself when you're playing these hide and seek things. It's just these silly things that you can multitask in the time that you have that fit into those core values. So when my kids are taking a bath, I'll do uh, tricep dips on the tub. And it seems, like I said, it seems really silly, but 
uh, it's a way that I feel like, okay, if check the box, I've taken care of my body and building my strength and doing things that, that are for me, but I'm still also being a mom and I'm still being fully present. And so you can really do both. It's just about finding that and getting really creative with the time that you have. Yeah, for sure. And I think that at home component makes it so much more doable because you're right. Like how many of us actually have a couple of extra hours to go to a gym every single day and do like a very structured workout, but we can all fit in those little things while we're bathing the kids or cooking dinner or whatever. Um, and that makes it doable. And those things do count. Like you said, I think that's so important to remember. And I'd also like to circle back and talk about being real online. Because like I said, that was a struggle for me for so long of thinking everyone else had it all figured out because that's what it looks like online. And I think you do such a great job of sharing the real actual aspect of real life and not in the like humble brag, like, oh, my house is perfectly clean except for this one basket of laundry, but like the actual real life side of that. Um, But I also know from my own experience that social media can be cruel and there can sometimes be like um, backlash from stuff. So I'd love to hear kind of your experience with being vulnerable online and if you've had any of that that backlash or what you've learned from sharing that. Because I would love to see a movement of moms, like everyone listening, being more authentically real on social media and giving each other permission to, to do that. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? I agree. Let's rally for that because we need it. And I learned this very organically how much we needed it. So it was crazy. And, and when my husband was gone, I felt this like, deep depths of isolation, really, and a lot of parenting hurdles. And so it really propelled me to get really vulnerable and share my struggles. And now it's really just kind of how I run my business. I just show the real life because it's so important. I I remember I'm pretty active on Instagram as it is and as it was, but I remember one day just feeling like, I mean, I'll get real here. I had totally lost my cool on my kids and they're little, they're one and three. So you feel this like at any time, I think you lose your cool. You feel this immense guilt, but I'm like, they're just babies. But I was just, my cup was just so empty. And I remember um, just sitting on my kitchen floor, tears, and I just felt so many raw feelings that I don't think you ever want to feel, but you certainly didn't expect to feel as a mom. You didn't expect to feel these like kind of negative feelings. You think it's going to be all rosy and rainbows, like social media kind of portrays it. And I was really not enjoying my days at all. I was just feeling like this overwhelm and intense guilt and I felt really lost in the season. And so I, out of desperation, because I, again, felt so isolated, I just word vomited on <laughs> on Instagram stories. It just, I needed to expel that emotion because I felt like I was losing my mind. And I, you know, shared how I was struggling and that I feel like a monster mom and um, I wasn't enjoying the season I felt like I should. And to my surprise, I was flooded with literally hundreds of of direct messages within minutes of posting that story. And they were from other women saying that they, they, they felt the same way, but they were too scared to share it. And the light bulb went off in my head and I was like, why aren't we talking about this? And it doesn't mean we're not insanely grateful about you know these wonderful lives and these kids that we have, but feeling these normal type of feelings and holding them in is really, really toxic. And so now I share the great times in life and I share the not so great times because that is real life. And I feel like if we can be open enough to get vulnerable and to not fear being judged, we can all help each other out and we can be okay with not having it all together because that is that is the reality of it all, right? So if we can rid ourselves from the expectations and the guilt and start giving permission to say, 
what I feel is valid and it's okay and it's normal. And you know what? Just getting it off my chest helps and it feeling like I'm not alone is important. And to, to say it all and, and to get it out there, you can feel better and you can show up better for your kids and, and improve on yourself. So it really surprised me that talking about the things I feared most being judged about were actually the things that connected me most with a lot of people. And of course, I, I did receive, you know, some negative messages, honestly, more, way more positive than negative. And, but I feel like um, I, I have this gift now of a platform. And if I can use it in a way that helps other women, I'm going to use it. And if I get negative responses because of it, that's okay. Because I feel like I'm helping more people than I'm offending. Um, and if those people do, you know, maybe don't like my approach to that real life kind of talk, then they, it's, it's, they don't have to follow me. And so I just feel really good about kind of just giving that voice of like, hey, it's messy and that's okay. And so it's really important to me to keep that up. And I really feel like we should all do that. And we'll all be better and stronger and be more connected in this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, like you said, it is a tough thing, but then it's also very freeing. And um, I'm, I'm trying to get much better about this as well, because for a lot of years, I did kind of censor what went out on social media, just because you do want to put your best foot forward. But I realized over time that it was creating this perception that wasn't completely real because that's not what life actually looks like all the time. And I'm trying to like really lean into that and to be um, much more open and vulnerable about the stuff, especially the hard stuff. And for me, even um, that's a topic I'll be tackling soon on the podcast in probably a solo episode. I realized with my kids, especially as they're getting older, um, you know, you have all those talks with them about, you know, like sexual assault and, and knowing their boundaries and making sure that they are safe in that way. And I realized for me, like to get vulnerable for a minute, I was saying this to my daughters and hoping that they, that it stuck, but I wasn't showing them because to your point, I have this platform, which is a tremendous gift. And that I hope is helpful and can help people improve their lives in different ways. And I wasn't, you know, sharing those things on this platform that I have that could reach other people and realizing things like one in three women have been a victim of sexual assault, including me. And I've never really talked about it publicly, but instead of just telling my daughters, like, it's okay to talk about these things. If you ever feel uncomfortable, if you ever had one of these experiences, come talk to me. I need to show them and make it okay. Like, let's have these conversations. Let's get these things out in the open and make it okay to talk about them. So whether it's the extreme end of things like that, or just the day-to-day -day struggles of, yes, motherhood is hard. And like some days it actually kind of sucks. And some days you're at the end of your rope and like you have those thoughts of like, oh my gosh, why was it even a good idea to have kids? This is so hard and that's real. And so I love that you do that. And I feel like you are such an inspiration in that way. And I think the more of us who do that, hopefully we make it okay to have these conversations so that we can all feel a little bit more real in those moments. Absolutely. It's so important. I love that you share that. And thank you for sharing that because Man, it's it's impactful. It's really, really. I think it's more impactful than any content that I create. It's just that sense of like connection, and the more we share, the more we're all empowered. Period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you're so good at it. And I can't believe our time is flying by so quickly. Um, but a couple questions I love to ask toward the end of our time together. The first being, if there's a book or a couple of books that have really impacted your life, and um, if so, what they are. I just learned how to read last year <laughs> because I felt like in this, that, that year of having kids and like, what's a book? I don't even know. Um, but I, I don't, I don't get to read as often as I like, but I do have one book that really kind of impacted me. And that is present over perfect by Shauna. I believe her name is 
last name is Nequest. And it wasn't really uh, any particular moment in the book. It was overall the concept of, man, I don't have to be perfect. My house does not have to be perfect. I don't have to look perfect. I, I just want to be present and I want to remember these times and I want to be, I want to be living this life that I have, enjoying the, the things I've been given. So that has just really put a profound impact on my life. I love that one. I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to add that to my list, but I love that um, present over perfect. It's such a, even a great title. And lastly, is there a piece of advice that you would like to leave with everybody listening today? I love um, telling women that like, just because I've been through it, I, I still experience it. We got to stop underestimating ourselves. Underestimating yourself is just the number one reason for excuse, discontentment, and getting stuck. And we all go through these trials and tribulations. But the beauty in all that is that we get this amazing gift of personal growth and resiliency. And the better we understand our ability to adapt and overcome and do great things in our lives, just within our own little life bubble, the easier those times will be and the better lives we create for ourselves. And in return, we create for our kids and our families. I love it. Carissa, this has been such a wonderful episode and you've mentioned some great resources. I'll make sure we link to them in the show notes and also to your Instagram so people can find you and connect with you. But thank you for taking time away from your kiddos and from your business to share today. This was wonderful. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so awesome, Katie. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.